What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Crazy Face Uno podcast. I'm your host, Shane McNeely. Just a reminder, Crazy Face Uno is inspiring others to do good, make a difference in our local and global community. And I'm excited to welcome my guest today. He's a special guy, AJ Kippers. Welcome, AJ. Thank you. It's good to be here. Absolutely. I'm super pumped to have you on. Um, Just a heads up for everybody and a little information. How we met was uh, we met via Craigslist when I was looking for a housemate um, in St. Paul. Yeah. And uh, it was, it's kind of a, I feel like it's kind of a cool story. Dana and I, Dana, you know, she was moved in towards the end of our time all living together. And uh, we were talking about how you're one of the best roommates I maybe have ever had. And you're just a good guy. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, No, that was a great, that was a great time that we spent together. It was a good, it was a good house, you know. Yeah. Uh, It was a really good, it was a really good place. I had just come out of college and uh, I couldn't think of a better place to kind of start my, uh, the beginning of my professional life, my post-college years, it was a uh, it was a good time. Yeah, Absolutely. we worked out we worked out well together as roommates. Yeah, we did, we did. Like enough alike, enough things that we like got along well, and then uh, but like enough differences that we didn't like get in each other's way. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, great. yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. Which that kind of leads me into um, you know a little bit more about you, AJ, and you know you came out of college. What was your degree again? Uh, accounting, just Acc- straight up accounting. Straight up accounting, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you were, I remember when you had first moved in, you were just head down, like grinding on getting your CPA, uh, is it certification or? Uh, yep, yep, it's a license. License, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's basically the accountant's equivalent of getting a master's degree. And right. uh, yeah, that was a tough first year. Yeah. Uh, just between yeah, working full time and then coming home and studying probably about three hours a night. Yeah. Um, and then more on the weekends. It was it was a slog. I'm glad it's done. I'm glad I did it. Yeah. You, I, I, I admire your dedication because you were so <laughs> determined and, and dedicated. You you spent, like you said, sometimes three hours. You you spent so much time just coming home after you worked a, a full day and you put your nose to the grindstone and just got to work and uh, I really admire that it's a it's an admirable trait and it's clearly paid off for you thanks yeah it was uh yeah had that youthful energy you know (laughs) yeah yeah it's funny how even just like you know it's not even been like five years since that happened I'm like oh man I had so much more energy I don't know if I can do that again (laughs) (laughs) I I'm telling you I've been talking to uh some friends as well I've got a couple friends that are going back to school and um one of my one of my good buddies who's in in the wedding, Joel, um, he's actually working on getting his uh, doctorate. So he's just started classes this last week, and he's like, "Dude, I haven't been to school in eight years." He was like, "The first hour I was good, and then I got to like hour two, and I was just like, whoa, like <laughs> my brain was in another world. It was really hard to like focus, and um, it's just a different mindset, you know. You you kind of forget what it's like to." to be in college and to study and be a student sometimes and yeah I miss it though too I don't know do you, do you ever miss college ah uh, there's there's parts of it I miss um you know the thing that I'm I think the thing I miss the like camaraderie and like the the people and the conversations you know mm-hmm. um which maybe 
that's maybe the Crazy Face Uno podcast is uh, filling it, filling in a little gap there, if you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think um, that. Yeah, kind of get the best parts of that college experience. Yeah, yeah, Not and big I. Big and. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. and I, I like, as I've gotten older. I've learned that I just really like to learn. Like I, I enjoy learning new things. I enjoy, um, but it's like things that I want to learn, which is different, I think. Um, and I wish I had some of that mentality back in the day, you know, of, of that eagerness to learn and eagerness to, to grow and, um, kind of, I guess maybe it's renewed sense of like purpose in my life as well, you know, in recent, recent months. So, yeah. Um, AJ, would you, so accounting, um, what was your, like when you selected that major, mm-hmm. what was your end goal? Was it to become a CPA, uh, get your license as yeah, a CPA? So it was, you know, this is a story that, uh, you know, being an accountant, people often ask like, yeah, How did you become an accountant, right? Cause yeah. it's kind of the, uh, the unsexiest job description out there, right? Sure. Like, um, my freshman year, it's a funny story. Uh, my, I don't know, have you ever seen the, the movie, The Producers, the newer version with like Nathan Lane and Matthew Roderick? Have you, have you seen that show? I don't know. I don't think I have. So it's a, it's a musical, and for whatever reason, my friends all made me watch it like three different times. Like three different friend groups made me watch it during the course of my freshman year. <laughs> and the reason why it's so funny is because one of the uh, characters, Matthew Broderick's character, sings a song called Unhappy because he's an accountant and he's unhappy and he wants to be a Broadway producer instead. So, oh, wow. you know, I just felt like I was getting smacked over the head with like, why are you, you like, I came in freshman year of college declared as an accounting major. So yeah. I, I, like from day one, I was going to be an accountant and they were like, all my friends were like, ah, this is going to be you someday. And yeah. Like, no, <laughs> I'm going to like it. I promise. Um, but anyways, so funny story aside, um, I, graduated high school in 2010 so this is like you know deep into the recession right you know, yeah 2008 it happened yep 2009 it happened so yeah uh, initially what had happened was i was sure that i was just going to become a lawyer um you yeah. know a little background you know my on my dad's side my dad's a lawyer and my right. grandfather and my grandfather's a lawyer my great-grandfather was a lawyer so like, <laughs> there's there's probably something in the DNA that says yeah. that you should become a lawyer. Like it's probably in your blood that you just this is what you have to do. Yeah. Um, and I told my dad that you know my senior year of high school, like you know I'm gonna probably just like go for a pre-law major or whatever. And my dad was like, no. Uh, he actually counseled me against it. Um, yeah. Because at the time, one of the industries that got hit hardest by the recession was the legal industry. Really? Um, I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah, and you know, it's been a while, so I don't really recall exactly the specifics, sure. but I think that was just one that was maybe ripe for maybe trimming back the fat a little bit. Um, right. Maybe speaking out of turn there, but that was kind of the impression that I got was that, you know, there was a lot of, there was a, there had been a lot of growth in that area, and then yeah. it was, you know, it kind of needed to be corrected during the recession. So, right. um, you know, he said, don't go to law school. He's like, you know, and the thing is, you know, law school is something you can you do after your undergrad, after you get your four year degree. So sure. he said, um, the one industry that was really not hit by the recession was the accounting industry because 
you know, even if a business is losing money, you still need an accountant to tell sure. you that. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. You can't be a business and not know your financials, not know your numbers. Yeah. So um, he counseled me to become uh, to go get an accounting degree, and he's like, you know, you don't have to become an accountant if the market picks back up and the legal industry is booming again. You know, in four years, go to law school. Right. right. That's totally still an option. Um, you don't have to pigeonhole yourself during your undergrad into having to go to law school by getting some sort of pre-law degree. Um, yeah. Good for your dad. So, That's awesome that, you know, yeah, he was able no, to, to be there and have that, like, sage advice, you know? Yeah. No, I really, uh, I have a lot of respect for my dad. You know, I think I've always felt that he's someone that I can trust and that I can go to who advice, you know, at sure. lots of different stages in my life, not just, you know, trying to figure out what major to get in college, but then helping me out with my career, like, just kind of getting advice and yeah. helping me with networking and connections as I yeah. was, you know, leaving college, he was able to, you know, he kind of lit, lit the fire under my ass, you know, like I was kind of enjoying college and I'm a little bit more introverted. Uh-huh. So, you know, networking wasn't something that I would necessarily wanted to do, but you know, right. he was there to kind of coach me and, you know, push me a little bit and say, sure. no, you have to, you know, go to those mixers, go to those networking events. Um, so it was definitely something where I feel very lucky to have, you know, the dad that I do. Um, Absolutely. And then, you know, I think that not only was it a an industry that he uh, saw as being kind of recession-proof to a certain extent, but, you know, I was also kind of a, a numbers geek in high school. You know, math was usually my yeah. favorite subject. So yeah. there was also, you know, not only was it a good industry to be in, I think he recognized that it was a good fit for my yeah. government. It was so, one of your strong suits. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, came in declared freshman year as an accounting major. Um, I think there was, like, one semester where I kind of doubted myself and went through, like, I don't know what comes before a quarter-life crisis, like a, <laughs> an eighth-life crisis. Yeah. I don't even know. But there was, like, one semester where I was like, no, I'm going to be an econ major instead. None yeah. of this accountant for me. Where do you think and, that uh, came from? What Was it just, like, you enjoyed econ, or what was the, what was yeah, the draw? You know, um, yeah, I really enjoyed econ and it was a little bit more, I don't know what the word is, maybe a little more philosophical, you know, okay. a little bit more high level and kind of thinking about big ideas. And yeah. About, a little more you know, sexy, if you will. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, then I got, I got set straight, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, for a little bit I was thinking about doing econ, but, um, I think the, as someone who's a little more introverted, I think having a more like an accountant you know an accounting degree means that you become an accountant so i think that kind of linear path was a little more appealing to someone who's a little more mm. introverted so that you know the idea of kind of if you're an econ major your path's a little less defined and yeah. I think that was a little bit intimidating so yeah i think kind of the more comfort and safety and yeah the assuredness of like yeah. you know you know you know what you're going to do with an accounting degree um, so yeah, that's kind of where I ended up and, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed kind of the, the precision of it. Um, sure. what I, what I tell people who don't know much about account, much about accounting is that it feels at times like a Sudoku puzzle, uh, oh, that's a good... just like a really complicated Sudoku puzzle because, yeah. you know, you've got your numbers and you know that at the end of the day, everything kind of fits together like a puzzle, right? Yeah. Like everything at the end, when, when you've done it right and everything works, um, you know it and all, you know, mm-hmm. you know what the rules are and you know, everything's supposed to go generally. It's just kind of 
that process of elimination of, okay, well, you can't put it here, yeah. you put this number here, which means that that number goes over there. Um, and I kind of like that methodical piece to it. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Do you remember any, you know, of your classes or any of your, anything you studied that you really enjoyed or that really sticks out to you? Five years ago, feels I know. so long, you know? know. Putting you on the uh, spot. <laughs> yeah. And if not, uh, no worries. Like, that's, that's, no, that's all good. I think that what I, I think kind of what I liked um, was intermediate, just kind of your standard intermediate accounting because uh, yeah. it kind of built on the basics. Everyone who's a business major has to take introduction to accounting. So you get a lot of people who are like, ah, oh, man, I don't like this. Or, you know, yeah. they're showing up and they're on their iPad the whole class or whatever. Yeah. Um, so you kind of you kind of take what you can get with that one, mm-hmm. um, and then with intermediate, you're with other accounting majors. You're not really you're not really dealing with folks who have to be there in your class, um, and you're kind of building on the foundation that introduction built. Um, but then you're not in advanced either. You know, I, advanced accounting was all this weird stuff like dealing with currency exchanges and how you do yeah. deal with you know. The obscure a few a little more obscure <laughs> yeah you know like you gotta track on the balance sheet pesos versus usd and like with different yeah. currency exchange rates Ugh. yeah that stuff was not my favorite part of the part of the job yeah uh, and part of the part of the classes but you know sure everything not not everything is going to be your favorite right <laughs> yeah that's like a fact of life like you you can't you can't get through life like unscathed. Like it's, you're gonna have to come up against something that you don't enjoy, and you have to push through and persevere. And yeah. it's just a fact of life, that's for sure. Yeah, which then kind of cues you. you. You graduated. You got your accounting degree. And when did you decide to start taking your your uh, or studying for the CPA exam? Yeah. So that was pretty much immediate. Um, yeah. I'm going to try not to get too far out in the weeds because I certainly can. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're fine. To accounting. Uh, the requirements for getting the CPA are not just having an accounting degree. There's a little bit more requirements for that. Yeah. Um, so some folks actually get a master's degree in accounting in order to meet the requirements for the CPA. Okay. I've managed to get all of – to hit all the requirements uh, for getting the CPA in my four years in undergrad. So at that point, there were there was really no barrier that some people uh, do have a barrier before they can sit for the CPA after their four year degree. Sure. I didn't have that. Um, the company that I had started working for had a tuition reimbursement program that applied to the CPA, Hello. so it wasn't going to cost me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's so it like wasn't cost ideal. Me out of pocket, yeah. Um, I met all the requirements. There was no real out of pocket cost for me, so it was more like a why wouldn't you take advantage of that. Um, and get that extra certification. Um, you know, at the time I was young, so it was like, yeah, time means the only thing I was giving up was my time, right? Which you right. saw. Um, at the time I was like, it's one year. I'm 22. Like, uh-huh. that's nothing. Yeah. So to me, it was more like, why wouldn't you at this stage in your life? Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't have a family. I didn't have kids that, I, you know, needed to see me. So exactly. I spent, I spent all my time working and studying. That's, yeah, and, I have to do it. and you were like again. I you were so disciplined. I know there were times when you were just like, "No, I'm not gonna go and hang out with you, or I'm not gonna go grab a beer with you. I'm gonna stay and study." And Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, like, mm-hmm. you know, you you balanced it well, and you uh, you found that time for yourself from what I could see. But 
you were very determined, and I think that's awesome. For yeah. people out there listening, the, the CPA exam is one of the more grueling um, exams. It's what's Do you know any of the statistics? Uh, it was like it's pass-fail rates. I know that it's pretty, it's pretty tough. Yeah, you know, actually, I'm not sure. I think it's, I think it's about 50-50 yeah. um, on the pass-fail rates. Um, you know, there's a lot of other exams out there that are, that are also very tough. So, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to come out here and say the CPA is the hardest thing yeah. that you can take. But it's up there. Um, it's, you know, <laughs> but it's certainly not a walk in the park. Yeah, either. it's got its challenges, um, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm just glad I did it while I was fresh out of college and, yeah, still kind of had that, you know, standardized test Right. Mentality. Yeah, very helpful um, for sure. Yeah. And so the whole time you're you're studying for this exam, um, you are working for an insurance company, um, yes, at Travelers Insurance, and yep, that's, yeah. and they were, what what was your position there? Yeah. So I was in a rotational program there. So right. um, it was for any kind of accounting finance role that was kind of entry level. Um, what you would do is in your first three years, you would have three different positions within the company. The idea would be um, get to know different people within the finance accounting community at the company. Uh, you know, a large company like that, there's a lot, a lot of finance accounting folks. So yeah. just kind of start making connections and to get to see different pieces of what does it mean to work in corporate accounting, you know? Absolutely. There's, the, the world gets increasingly specific, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, you might think that, oh yeah, he's an accountant, that's a pretty specific job. Like it's not just a general business thing, but then within accounting, there's all these different functions. Right. And so, you know, really trying to figure out, okay, within a large company like that, what kind of accounting do you like to do? So the idea is let's find a good fit, you know, both culturally, like what team do you work well with mm-hmm. and also the work, what kind of work um, what, what are your strengths within accounting? Yeah. Um, and what, what are you drawn to? So, uh, I really appreciated that opportunity, you know, um, yeah. it's, it's not an, it's a whole lot of work for a company to, you know, move you, you around three jobs in one year yeah, to move you around. There's a lot of infrastructure, Train. They have to have, you yeah. know, they have to keep these positions. The managers have to be okay with, you know, literally you're getting a new person every year that you have to retrain on the same job. So, right. um, there's a lot of investment that happens on, on their end that yeah. I really appreciated. And, um, it's really good. Uh, I, I listen to a fair amount of business podcasts and I think yeah. one sentiment that gets echoed a lot that I would, that I would highly agree with is that, um, I think starting in a big corporate environment is actually a pretty good way to start because you get to kind of see what the best practices are. Um, you know, their business processes are pretty locked down. Yeah. Um, and it's a good way to really see how how does corporate America work? What a what is the language of, of business? What is what is the eight to five life like? Uh, so it was a good yeah. kind of way to to learn, not in a college setting, but actually learn in the business world. Yeah, yeah. What are some of the business podcasts you listen to? Um, so what I've really enjoyed more recently are the. Um, Oh, I don't know if you can hear him, but the cat has jumped up on. <laughs> What's your cat's name? Uh, it is my girlfriend's cat, but we we share ownership now. His name nice. is Mittens. Mittens. Well, yeah. Chancy Poo's yeah. here. He's he's hanging out with us too. He's just snoozing like he likes to do. So, uh, oh, yeah. welcome 
Mittens and yes. Chansey Poo. There, we've got four, yeah. <laughs> four uh, bodies in the podcasting world yes. now. Not just you and me. So that's awesome. Yes. Yeah. No. No worries. What were you saying? The, um, the business podcast. Oh yes, the podcast. Um, so currently, I'm working in the startup world. So that tends to, you know, in, in the tech scene, in the tech startup world, there tends to be a good number of podcasts to listen to. I really enjoyed Masters of Scale, um, which is hosted by the founder of LinkedIn. Uh, named Reed Hoffman. So yeah. Master of Scale by Reed Hoffman, I've really enjoyed. Um, it's really geared towards entrepreneurs. So to all you entrepreneurs out there, he does, I think, really good advice. Yeah. Um, that definitely one... focused a little bit more on the tech sector, but yeah. I think he gives good advice to anyone who has that entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Um, that title. Also that in... title is very intriguing to me. So I'm gonna have to check that yeah. one out. Yeah, definitely. I highly recommend it. Um, and then the other one that I really enjoyed is called Saster. Um, that one is definitely more focused on the tech world, um, specifically kind of business software. So if you've heard of like Salesforce yep. or... That's what um, Dana's yeah, so, company uses is Salesforce. And I used to use yep. Salesforce and, at Invisible Children as well. So yeah, very yeah, familiar. So it's geared towards, yeah, people who work at companies like a Salesforce, like kind of like a yeah. business software. Nice. Um, but yeah, you know, you kind of get a good sense of people's uh, path similar similar to this podcast it's a lot of you know not not just kind of how do you how do you do business and what are your secrets of business but a little bit of how did you get to where you are and, yeah. yeah a good a, a good chunk of them say it's you know as as fun and as exciting as it is to kind of work in the startup the tech space yeah you know it is actually a good idea to get your get your first experience at a a large kind of more established company to kind of learn the ropes sure yeah which kind of leads us into you know you touched on it you one of the things I wrote down and that I thought would be really interesting to get your perspective on is going from travelers insurance this big corporate uh, company and working within there to your current position where you work in a startup and you you've you've gone from one extreme to the other in some ways and um What's that? What's that like? What's that been like? What was your experience? Yeah. Um, so I think at the end of my rotational program, um, the idea, the conventional way that it's done is that you kind of have to own the more permanent placement, right? So then yeah. when you've when you've done your three years and they've given you three different jobs in the company, then it's like, okay, well you figured out, you, you've kind of hopefully figured out what you like, and you have hopefully made connections. So you know. Um, it's kind of on you to find what that next what that next step is within the company. Sure. And you know, I, as much as I had enjoyed my time at Travelers, um, I wasn't sure that it was the perfect fit. You know, I, I put three yeah. years there, and you know, I have nothing bad to say about my time there, but I wasn't sure that it was the right place for me. Um, and so the way that I kind of viewed that process was, well, if I'm essentially applying for jobs within the company, I'm, I am a job applicant, I'm looking for a job. Yeah. Why would I limit myself to just one company? Sure. Now, you know, the idea is that, you know, yes, they've invested in me and they've put time in, in, in me, but, you know, if it's just as hard, if not harder, to find a job within the company, just because it's a well-established company, so they weren't necessarily, you know, opening up new departments or growing with new teams. So, you know, they're, they're, I was finding it challenging to to find a, a position, an opening, um, just based on kind of 
where Travelers was as a company. And so I said, why, why limit myself to trying to find a job at one company? Smart. Um, so yeah. I, I started applying around to other jobs. If I was going to apply internally, might as well apply externally as well. Um, and uh, what I found was a uh, tech startup here in Minneapolis yeah. um, that uh, was looking for kind of what actually did seem like a good next step career move. It was a, it was a promotion um, in title. And so that was kind of what I was looking for. Um, and yeah, that was, it, it felt like a good fit. The interview went really well. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've always been, I've always been a little bit interested in that, in that tech space. Yeah. I'd like to consider myself uh, a little bit of a geek. Uh, while we were living together, I built a computer for the first time. So Absolutely. I've, I've done that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little bit plugged into that world. So, um, it felt like a good fit and, uh, it's been, it's been great. They made me an offer. I accepted it in a heartbeat. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I remember you you were so excited, you know, and we Oh yeah. whenever you were offered that position and, and officially got it and rightfully so, you should have been. What is your like official title or what like area of the the company do you work obviously? Yeah, so uh, I'm a senior accountant. Um and that's been a little bit of everything. Um yeah. you know, when you're working at a large company like Travelers, large insurance company, there's like I said kind of hundreds of accountants. Mm-hmm. Um and now there's three accountants. Right. But that's like uh, where you're... There have been two. Yeah, that's where your your corporate and, and doing that program that you did at Travelers comes in so handy because you got to see the different components of uh, like the holistic view of the company and those different um, branches of accounting, you know, and those different pieces. And I'm sure that that's translated into the startup world and where you've got your hands in probably a few different cookie jars instead of one specific focused, narrowly focused, uh, you know, niche area. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. That's, that's definitely true. And I think also the the piece of it is that when you're in a rotational program, you're learning a whole new job every year, right? Mm. So there's, you're still kind of staying in that learning mindset, which I think is super helpful when you're at a small company. And, yeah. you know, uh, there is a period in time where, um, the position that I was reporting directly to was open. So kind of the head of the department wasn't there. And, you know, if issues popped up, like I had to solve it. I had to figure out, how yeah. to, I had to learn. Yeah. You know, I had to just kind of figure out how to, how to solve the problem that had presented itself. So yeah. I think definitely staying in that learning mindset was helpful moving to a small company. Sure. Um, well, and I, I yeah. can resonate with that, you know, like that, that hits home with me just with everything I'm, I'm, building with crazy face uno and working on um it's the same thing you know like i i don't there's a lot of things that i'm doing that i have no idea what i'm doing to be completely honest but thank goodness for for google and uh (laughs) and legitimately staying in that that learner's mindset where i'm like okay like this can be a roadblock or it can be uh, a chance for me to learn and grow and, and to you know build my skills and um, it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting like road so far and there's lots more. I've got a whole to-do list, uh, written out that is a bunch of research, uh, research, research, you know, <laughs> there's like three or four different things that are, I just need to learn. I need to learn about this specific piece, this specific industry or this specific, uh, component to what I want to, to do. And, um, it's immersing myself in different books and different 
you know, podcasts like, like you were talking about with the business podcast, like that's, that's awesome. I've been talking with several people about, um, you know, just the different, the different avenues that they are the different, um, I don't know, the, just the different things that they're doing to help themselves learn and grow and, and it's been good. It's been fun. And it sounds similar in, in some ways where you're like, yep, I got to just figure this out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it is, it, it is kind of interesting when, especially when it's a smaller group, when it's, you know, I'm assuming it's just you with crazy face, you know, at this point and uh, Pretty much. You know, it's a small team too. Um, you know, there is kind of this, you know, well, I get to make a decision and yeah. we're going to, we're going to figure it out. You know, there's not kind of a, there's not necessarily an approval chain. You can just kind of right. do what needs to get done and yeah. not worry about getting sign off from a bunch of people. And right. That's kind of, yeah. that, that's kind of enjoyable too. Yeah. Yeah. And being, calling the shots is fun, you know, yeah. like it's, yeah. it is fun. And something I've, I've been desiring for a while is to have creative control. Um, you know, I've, I've desired that and wanted that, I guess. And, um, you know, I've definitely got that with, with crazy face, you know, and sometimes it's more than I, than I really want. You know, I would love to have a small team behind me. So if you're out there and you're interested in, in, uh, being a part and want to volunteer some time, uh, like I said, volunteer some time out there, if you're listening, um, you know, let me know, shoot me a message, uh, uh, there's different avenues to reach me, whether it's my, my phone number that's available or my email. But um, yeah, there's definitely, you know, some things that I would love to have some collaboration with and people to help and people to, to jump in and and take the reins on certain aspects of, you know, what's going on. But at the end of the day, uh, you got to trust the process and, and, and just keep going and do what you think is best and know and... Um, learn as much as you can and, and make the best decisions you can at the time. Heck yeah. Yeah. So what, um, let's, let's do this. What are three things you love about your job? Yeah. Uh, I was actually just talking about this the other day with my, with the head of my, my team, uh, cause they're just kind of checking in. And I think you know, one thing that you just talked about actually that resonated with me really strongly was the creative control. I kind of called it autonomy. You know, I really feel mm-hmm. like I'm not, I feel like I'm not micromanaged at my job, which is great. You know, I'm given, yeah. I, I, I really appreciate that I'm given clear direction. Like this is what needs to get done. Yeah. Uh, accounting tends to be fairly black and white. So, yeah. uh, you know, there's, there's pretty clearly like, this is what needs to get done. But then within that, you know, um, I can kind of say, okay, yes, that needs to get done. Where does that fit on the priority list of, you know, this is all the things that need to get done this week. What order does it get done in? How do I do it? You know, the, the particulars, I feel like I'm very not, I'm not very micromanaged, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm told what to do, but how it gets done is, is left to me, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, very similar vein. I think the second thing that I like is the flexibility. You know, yeah. working at a working at a tech startup, we're completely paperless. I mean, so yeah. um, if you need to work from home for a certain, you know, if you have a an appointment during the middle of the day or whatever, uh, my company is really flexible in allowing you to work from home yeah. or do whatever you need to do to make sure, you know, obviously get your job are, done. You need to move but, fast and yeah. get your job done. But within that, there's a lot of trust and respect. You know, when, yeah. it's a, when it's a small company, you know, everyone's name. We're still, we're still under 150 people yeah. uh, at this point, uh, when it's employees. And, uh, 
the, the conventional wisdom out there is that usually 150 employees is the tipping point. With it, when it's 150 yeah. people, you can still kind of know everyone's name and know what they do and kind of, mm-hmm. um, if you get, you know, if someone reaches out to me uh, with a marketing question, you know, I know who to send them to on the marketing team kind right. of thing. Right, um, It's more personable. Which is, which is yeah, exactly. Um, so I really like that flexibility. And um, I think that trust is so important, you know, I mean... Yeah. having even even in the bigger companies i think you get you lose a little bit of that and i don't know why i don't know if i really understand why because i think that you know the the micromanaging thing is just uh it's a it can be an issue you know and a lot of people have frustrations with that and when people can give you know people like yourself can have that autonomy to yes i know you've given me the the framework in which you want me to operate and, and the goal in which you want me to accomplish. Um, let me do it. You know, I literally overheard a, a gentleman the other day when I was at lunch, um, speaking to one of the exact same things of like, well, I just like, what's it matter how I do it? Like, as long as I get it done, you know, like I don't want to be, <laughs> he was literally saying the exact same thing that we're, we're saying of somebody that was micromanaging him and wanted him to do something a specific way. But he was saying like, I'm going to do it my way. You know, like I, I can get the job done, but I want to do it the way I want to do it. And it, it's the importance is that I get it done. I complete the task, you know, or I complete the thing. And I think there's some importance and I think there's some real value in companies and, and people and places that understand that and um, practice that self-control in some ways, you know, it's a, uh, it's easy to want to micromanage and, and to want to keep your hand on, on things, I think. Um, and it takes some real, some real discipline to do some of those things and, and to have that trust and to know that you've, you've built that relationship and you've trained and, given the person the knowledge that they need to do the best and, and do what you want them to do. Yeah, exactly. I, I actually have a theory about this. Um, I, I received some really good advice uh, when I was at Travelers, just kind of about a future career in managing, you know, when that, that transition from being an individual contributor to a manager. And I think uh, my, my theory is that, uh, you know, with, with imp- a lot of input from other people, of course, um, you know, people tend the people who get promoted into manager positions are usually competent, right? They're usually good at what they do. They're driven, yeah. um, so they've got a certain level of skills. And I think there's a challenge in in moving from being an individual contributor to a manager, where uh, the the advice that I was given is that you need to be able to accept that when someone when you ask someone to do a task for you, they're going to do it about eighty percent as good as you think it should get done, or as yeah. you think you would do it. And you have to be accepting of that. Like, you can't expect perfection of your employees all the time. And what mm-hmm. what the eighty percent thing is that you know, perfectionism is is bad in business, right? Like, you if you are looking for perfection, it'll take too long to get there. And so mm-hmm. you have to be willing to accept that it might not be exactly how you would do it. It might be a little bit rough around the edges, but if it's eighty percent of the way there, that's still really good, especially because this yeah. person is probably less experienced than you. So I think there's you need to have a certain level of acceptance that as as a manager I think there, there needs to be a certain level of acceptance that it might not be the way exactly you would do it or yeah it might not be as good as you could do it but the t- 
time savings is there. You can't do everything as a manager. That's why you've got a team. So that's that's my personal theory. It hasn't yeah. been tested just yet because I'm not managing people yet. Yeah. That's kind of the advice that I've that I've received. Uh, you know, as a as a forward looking career. Yeah. Well, and I, Dana and I talk about this too because she's in a manager position now, and um, you know, she's been managing people for a while anyway, and 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 she does a lot of call coaching and so she she was we were talking about this last night she was telling me you know um it's giving people the autonomy to make the calls but then there's still just a little bit of a checkup and they they coach you through it hey let's listen to this call you know how like here are the things i love about this what are the things you love about it you know and mm-hmm. where are the things that we could adjust and fix and how how do we do that and how do we go from here you know and um it's not picking apart every phone call, you know, but it's like, Hey, let's look at this. Let's, let's become better. And I think that even as you know, it's that 80%, at least for myself, and I'm sure that you're very similar. And I think a lot of people are that we, I'm going to critique myself. You're not going to be any harder on me than I'm going to, than I'm going to be on myself. I can promise you that. So if I know that I didn't quite hit that hundred percent and that perfectionist mark, I'm going to try to improve that next time, you know? And Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think that that's important to understand and to know. And maybe that's just an understanding your employee and understanding the people that you're working with or the people that, um, you know, you're managing or whatever, and and understanding their personalities and their drive in some ways. Um, I think that. I think that a lot of people, nobody, I don't think that most people want to. I can't say everybody. I don't think most people want to just be mediocre. You know, I think there is a, obviously there's a group of people in the world that are okay with that, but I think that people want to succeed and excel. And when you give people that, that, uh, when you empower people, I think that you see them hit their stride and you, you want, they want to work for you and they want to do the best that they can. And I think that that's important. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. Well, let's move on from your jobs you are sure. a very interesting, um, I don't know, unique individual. You've got so many. Here's the thing I love about you, AJ, is that I would classify you as a pretty type A uh, person. You know, you're introverted. You you brought that up, um, but you are not afraid to jump in and to go for it. And I love that. The whole time that we were, you know, that we lived together, I. I was always impressed and surprised at the things that you would be like, yeah, I'm going to go do this and I'm going to go do that. And, um, you just put yourself in situations to, to grow and to learn. And even those like social situations, you know, and I know that music is a big thing for you. You love music. You love singing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you, are you still doing some of that? Are you still involved in, in some of those different um, like the, yeah. the choir and some of those different groups that you were involved in? Yeah, so I've actually been a little less involved in music recently just because of the stage of life that I'm in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, historically I was been in, I was in choirs in high school, uh, musicals in high school. I was in a college acapella group before right. the movie Pitch Perfect. So, yeah. you know, I was doing it before, <laughs> I was doing it before Anna Kendrick made it cool. Yeah, your um, gal. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, you know, that's one thing where it gets a little bit harder to do after, after college. 
Um, I was a little mm-hmm. bit involved with like um, a church group that I was doing making music with, but um, that that worked out really well when I was living in St. Paul with you. Yeah. Uh, you know, moving in a different suburb now, so yeah. it's, you know, a little bit harder to sure. get over there as often. So yeah, um, don't cross so the river. Stages. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a real barrier. <laughs> it's man. a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, now that I'm on the other side of the river, I rarely make it over to St. Paul. Yeah, isn't that crazy? And I was the same way. I used to live in Minneapolis, and I didn't really cross over there too much. It's like friends and people are what draw you to where you're going, and, you know, it's like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I've got some old friends over in St. Paul, so, you know, I'll make it over there every so often. Right, uh, right. Yeah. Um, So... So less yeah, music. Different stages of life. Less music. Uh, still doing comedy and improv. That's right. been a blast. Yeah, um, which is awesome. I, I've been able to see you once. I wasn't able to get get over there before we moved, but again, but yeah, you are involved in comedy and and you've been really submersing yourself in into that world a little bit, haven't you? Uh, yeah, to an extent. Um, I did a little bit of stand up um, just to like try it out and dabble uh one of my comedy friends i think put it really well which is that you know uh, improv comedy improv is a team sport and stand-up is like a solo sport right okay. so um and and when it comes to hobbies you know i'm i want to do it not necessarily i'm not looking to make a career out of comedy at this yeah. point in my life yeah uh so i'd rather do it with people you know yeah. i'd rather i'd rather do that team sport and kind of have that social bonding experience yeah so you're um, saying you like the you like the the improv more than the stand-up yeah uh i think that's typically where i've found the most enjoyment um and i think maybe, maybe there's also maybe a little bit of a cop-out piece to it too which is that uh you know with stand-up you've you've written and you've practiced and you've thought about it and so sure. if you bomb like yeah. It's kind of on you, Ooh. and there's not a whole lot of uh, sympathy there. Yeah. Whereas if you're doing improv and you tell a joke and people don't laugh, you get a there's share. kind of a little less pressure. It's like, well, I literally just made this up, so yeah. I tried. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you get a share in the uh, the failure yeah. as well. Yeah, so yeah. you did you do – how many times did you do stand-up? Uh, I, did it, I did it twice. So twice. Um, the, the improv house that I – do comedy improv with Stevie Ray's, which is in Chanhassen, suburb of Minneapolis. Yeah. Um, they do improv, and then they also do introduction to stand-up comedy class. So that was really nice to kind of, you know, keep that kind of group mentality. You know, I mm-hmm. had classmates, and we were practicing for each other and giving each other feedback in a very supportive environment. So that was a really great way to just kind of dip my feet in a little bit. And then yeah. There's obviously kind of that like student showcase at the end of the of the stand-up class, which was great and um that was a really fun way to you know perform for a very supportive audience you know you pack it with friends and family who are there to see you succeed so a little bit of maybe maybe a little bit of training wheels you might say sure um, sure and then i did i did a an open mic or two around town but um you know it just didn't it, it didn't speak to me in quite the same way yeah um and so, you know, I've, I've just personally decided that, you know, I think I want to focus a little bit more on improv comedy and hone the craft there. Yeah, that's cool. With the, with the stand-up, what did you, uh, like, how long, how long were your bits or how long were your sets? Yeah, so I had one, uh, one five-minute story that I developed. Gotcha. Um, and it is funny, you know, I, I still have a 
notes on my phone that I just call like stand-up joke premises. Yeah. So if I ever if I'm ever at a comedy club on an open mic night and I've got just enough, you know, if, I have, if I had just the right amount to drink, not too much, not too. Yeah, little, yeah, yeah. I've you know I've always kind of got that idea in the back of my head, like ah, maybe I'll maybe I'll dust off some of these. Yeah. Test them out. Joke ideas. Give them a ride. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. You know, I, I don't want to say no. I don't want to say I'll never do it again. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, and so I, whatever I think is something that I think is funny, I'll, I'll tend to write it down. And That's cool. What is that? I mean, you kind of touched on it there, but like, what's that process look like for you or what, what has it? You just, you had the story, so you just developed it and wrote it out. Do you write it out incomplete or do you just have like, do you hit the high points and then you kind of ad lib as you go or what does that look like for you? Yeah, so when I was actually taking the stand-up class and really developing my, my five minutes, um, I, I had kind of already started that, that note that I was talking about. And so, um, you know, the first class is just kind of figuring out, okay, what, what do I want to do? Do I want to do, you know, a couple of short bits that I can kind of pack together, or do I want to tell one long story? And yeah. um, when I was kind of just throwing out my different pitches and different ideas out there, um, one story kind of seemed to to resonate the most with the others and yeah. uh it's actually it was a, it was a true story that actually happened to me uh back when i was living uh living with you in st paul i don't nice. know if i told you this story but uh you know i used to go on saturday morning runs every so often sure. and uh one day i was deciding to run around lake como and it was actually it was actually a sunday morning and i looked around and i was like there's a lot more people out on a sunday than usual and i noticed <laughs> that the racing bibs on and I was like, "What? Oh, I guess I'm in a 5K." And, uh, <laughs> I think I did I hear just, the story. I just ended up in a 5K, and the best part was that then I realized, "Oh, it's Mother's Day. This is a Mother's Day 5K." <laughs> so it's a bunch of so it's a bunch of like moms and a bunch of families, you know, all running. You know, they've all trained together, yeah. and there's all there are all these like you know perfect fit families who are running a 5K together, and I'm just like here to by do. myself yeah. running around the lake. That's so funny. Um, so then, you know, uh, obviously with stand-up, then you kind of take that that basic structure, and yeah. then you kind of you find out what the beats are, what are kind of the things inherent to the story that are funny, and then yeah. from there you kind of work your timing, um, work your yeah yeah, and you you obviously embellish a little bit. Sure, I, I may have fabricated the ending to get a stronger you know kind of yeah finish yeah, uh, but you know that's that's kind of what you accept with stand-up is that you're probably getting about you know, somewhere less than 100% of it is factually accurate. Right, right, right. Um, but that's fun. Who, who cares? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. That's like so, yeah. part of comedy. So Exactly, exactly. And so um, I, I'm every comic's a little bit different in how they develop their material. I wrote out word for word um, yeah. what I was going to say, and I even, you know, I would tweak certain words. I would tweak certain phrasings. Yeah. Um, I would record myself just in my bedroom i would record myself on my phone i would listen to it back i would make sure i wasn't rushing i'd make right. sure i was staying in time so there really was a lot of you know solo practice of just recording myself in my bath in my bedroom and then listening to myself yeah um which you know that's the that's the less fun part of stand-up that's right. where that's where it is like a serious career and it is a craft that you're that you're honing right um, and i mean those the it gives you a lot of respect for the professional comedians that mm -hmm. are up there like they yeah. and the ones that that turn over year after year new you know completely new sets 
um, oh, I listen yeah. to the Joe Rogan podcast a lot and he talks about that. He's like, the first time I ever, you know, did that, it was like, I did my special and it's like, then I'm done with that. And once I've done my special, it's like, I'm clean slate. And he's like, you talk about intimidating, you know, it's like mm-hmm. you like sit and you've got a blank sheet of paper essentially in front of you for, for the next year. And mm-hmm. like, I can't imagine that sounds Sounds intense, you know, definitely, definitely a skill, something that you've got to be disciplined in, um, take the time to develop your craft. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, the other thing that you have to respect too, with, with these professional, with professional standup comedians is that, you know, as they're developing the material and, you know, if they're doing open mic nights or if they're doing like workout rooms or whatever, um, to test out their new material, by the time they're recording their special, they have told that joke hundreds if not thousands of times right they have to make it sound like it's the first time they're telling the story True. they have to make it seem like it's brand new and it's still just as funny to them as the day that they thought of it because if they're just blandly reciting this material like ah yeah this is that joke that i've done before like then the audience isn't going to enjoy it either so yeah you have to approach it like it's your first time every time yeah do you think um, music's like that too with like musicians that are singing like i i personally think that part of what makes a song um, great or excellent is the passion behind it and that mm-hmm. emotion that, that you can feel that, uh, that a musician can evoke from, from their, like, mm-hmm. their lyrics or their words or their music. Um, and I can see it maybe a similarity there, too, of that like, if you're singing it day after day after day after day, you lose a little of that passion a little of that you know you you had that yeah. potential to bring to be able to bring that same commitment that same drive to each performance it has to be difficult yeah you know i'd actually i'd actually push back on that idea i think yeah. that music and comedy can be very can be very different in how they age um and and for this reason i would say i think that uh, if you're doing a stand-up bit, now, yeah. and I, I'm going to say this uh, admittedly as an amateur uh, in both comedy and music, I wouldn't consider myself necessarily yeah, a seasoned professional in either. Um, but with com- comedy, works in specifics, right? So when you're telling a story, you know, if you say I went to the store, you know, or you say I went to Walmart, like even just adding which store you went to already, then mm. you're kind of that, that even just there, that specifics, it starts to bring in a little bit more comedy you can yeah you can put yourself as an audience member. you you can visualize it you right know exactly where you are and that's part of the comedy it's just like okay this isn't like target this is walmart this is yeah. different right yeah um, yeah and so i think when you're telling a comedy bit at the same time over and over you're living in the specifics you're reliving that same moment over and over again right you're trying to put think- somebody in a specific like headspace to understand and to see what you're talking about yeah yeah, yeah. whereas i think with music right I, I would think that music tends to be a little more ambiguous, a little bit more about the feeling that you're trying to create. Yeah. Um, and so I think that with music, it can be, it can age like a fine wine almost. You yeah. know, as, as, you, as you grow and as you change, you can almost bring in shades of new meaning to a song. You can sure. sing the words a little bit differently and you can discover new meaning you can discover new emotions within a within one song so i think that i I would i would say probably that music if if it's a really good song you know you can live with that song and you can grow with that song and you can bring new things to that song over time even though it's the same lyrics and it's the same chords that's a good Um, point in a way that might be difficult with with uh 
stand up with a with a specific story. Yeah, that makes sense. I, that that's a good point. Yeah, you know, like with a love song, a love song can be about a very specific person, right? When you when you yeah. write it, but then, you know, mm. let's say you break up with that person, that sure. that song then becomes different. Let's say you meet someone new, then that song does that song still apply? Is that song a memory of someone else? Right. Is it does it apply to that new person? Do you does your feeling do your feelings about love itself change? You know, these are yeah. These are very big ideas that can go into the best songs. The best songs make you think, and the best songs I think can can grow and change. Yeah, that's actually got my my brain my brain going itself. Yeah, that's a good that's a really good point. I I've I've never actually thought of it through that lens or like thought of it in that way at all um, of how a song could change with your viewpoint or you know like your your own life experience. Um, especially like a love song, like you just mentioned. Yeah, that's a good. That's a really good point. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you love about um, the improv? What's what are like a three things? I know you mentioned a, a couple things. Just yeah. the the freedom to you know share share in some of the glory and share in some of the the downsides of those as well. But what are the things you love about that? Yeah. So I think that. I'm going to just directly start off by directly contrasting it with stand-up, right? Which is that, sure. you know, uh, like I was saying with those seasoned comedy professionals, right? They're telling the same joke every time as if it was the first time. Whereas with improv, it really is the first time. So as funny as it is for the audience, it's just as funny for you because you've discovered it at the same moment that they've discovered it. Yeah. Um, so you're so you truly are sharing in in that funny moment together in that laugh together you know obviously as a professional you're not really supposed to break and start just laughing in the moment but um you have that same joy that the audience has in the same moment so that that creation and consumption are happening simultaneously um between the audience and the performer so that connection is really great um you know and improv part of that is right you're taking suggestions from the audience so there's you know, and a lot of really good stamps will incorporate a little bit of improv. They'll talk to the audience. They'll get feedback from the audience. They'll ask the audience questions. Yeah. Um, and that's that's baked right into you know you don't have to do that as a stand-up, but that's baked into improv. Is that yeah. you're you're working with the audience to create together, and they they kind of give you a jumping-off point. They might give you something that you wouldn't start with. You know. Sure. Uh, I probably wouldn't write a joke about NASCAR, but if someone <laughs> wants me to do a scene about NASCAR, well, guess what? They're gonna learn. They're gonna learn some things about NASCAR that are probably not true, but are really funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so there, there's that part of it too, and then I think more broadly, um, what I've found personally with improv comedy is that you really learn to trust yourself, right? Um, there, are, there are like some quote rules to improv comedy that you learn when you go through improvisation classes, and. Mm-hmm. Um, Every and every place where you teach might have a slightly different set of rules or emphasize them differently. But the the number one foundational principle where I learned improv comedy is trust yourself and trust your partner. Right when you're on stage and when you're making sure. things up, when you're improvising, you don't really ha- get a chance to workshop it or to you know yeah come up with three different ideas and then pick the one that works. You right. just have to trust that the first thing that comes to your head. Is the is what's right and it's what's going to work. So, it really helped b- 
build my confidence in kind of, you know, as an introvert, it helps me build, as I kind of talked about earlier, the, the networking, the small yeah. talk, you know, these things that are kind of, you know, they can be important in your in your personal and in your career life outside of the, the comedy hobby. And yeah, so, I can see that confidence, um, that, that confidence boost of learning to trust what's coming out of your mouth, learning to trust yourself and trust that mm-hmm. that you've got the skills and you've got the ability to do what you're doing. That's... yeah. That's a good and trusting your lesson. gut, you know, that, that, that gut instinct is good. And, yeah. um, you know, it's one thing to, to hear and like, know that you're like, it's to intellectually know that your gut instincts can be right and are right. Yeah. It's another thing to like actually be on stage and testing your gut instinct and seeing it pay off, you know, right. that that first idea can be the right idea right. that you don't need to second guess it. Right. Right. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and then you know there's there's just the opportunity to to laugh. Obviously, you know you're with you're with other people who you know a lot of times they're funnier than you. So I, I love just being around funny, positive people. Yeah, and I'm sure that's a camaraderie that when you're hanging out together, some of that that comedy kind of spills over too, which is fun. And just oh, to yeah. even not even be on stage, but just to have fun and laugh and and be goofy and uh, yeah. unwind, especially you know working a job like you've got where you're not corporate, but you know, you're looking at numbers, you're head down, you're, you know, you're staring at a computer probably most of the day. And so it's good to, to cut loose and to find a different avenue of like relaxation in in a sense. Yeah. You got to exercise both sides of the brain, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Which kind of leads me to, I know your family has been involved in pageantry a lot. Yeah. Throughout yeah, the years. I, I was listening to, I was, I, I didn't finish it just yet, but I was listening to the most recent episode that you posted. So yeah, with Monica. Looks like you're hitting the, yeah, it looks like you're hitting the pageant circuit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, um, she was a, a gal I've worked with. She's just, she's doing a lot of really good stuff in the world and, um, and the community in, in South Minneapolis and the suburbs there. And so I just really wanted to highlight some of the cool stuff she's doing and, She's uh she's getting after it and she's got some some goals and ambitions and um so yeah just kind of shining a light on her and the life that she's living so yeah that's great uh yeah so as you kind of alluded to um my sister just got crowned Miss Minnesota ooh uh, nice yeah um and my mom was a former Miss Minnesota so this makes as far as we're aware and uh, and the paper has reported this which I'm assuming they fact checked uh, this is <laughs> fingers the crossed. First <laughs> Fingers crossed, right? I trust the Star Tribune. Yeah. Uh, support your local paper, everyone. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, my mom and my sister, are the first mother-daughter Miss Minnesota. Wow. Um, it's Very happened cool. a couple of times in other states, so they're not the first in the country to do it. But, yeah. Uh, at least in Minnesota, they are the first uh, mother-daughter Miss Minnesota pair. That's awesome. And your sister's yeah. been, she's been, she's been working at that for a while. Um, oh yeah, um, she started as a teen, so it started doing the the teen program, um, and then competed a couple of times in the uh, standard version. I don't I don't know if you call it like the adults version. Like, yeah, I, I'm not sure what the what the lingo is exactly, sure. but yeah, the kind of uh, the one that you think of, right? So yeah, um, she'll be competing in Miss America in wow. in December here. That's so, so cool. Uh, Where's that at? On NBC, uh, it's going to be in Connecticut this year. Um, nice. I'm not sure if you're plugged into this, but actually, there's been a lot of changes with the Miss America organization. Um, 
they got rid of the they, they debuted what they're calling the Miss America 2.0. Okay. Um, they've eliminated the swimsuit portion. Right. They've replaced it with an interview portion. Yeah. Um. So they're trying to make it, or the, they're reframing it, is my understanding, as more of like a, almost a job interview huh. than like a than a fitness competition yeah. or, a, or a looks competition. So, yeah. How do you um, how do you feel about that? How does your family or your mom and your sister uh, are they like pro that move or? Um, yeah, we've all really liked it. Um, it's it's been really cool to see. I think I've only seen one pageant in the new in the new setting. Um, and so far I really, I've really liked it. Um, it's been a, it's been kind of a breath of fresh air, yeah. uh, to see. And so, uh, yeah, it'll be on the, the Miss America is going to be in Connecticut this year and it'll be, it used to be on ABC and now it'll be on NBC. So NBC. Uh, be awesome. sure to, and then I want to say it's, oh shoot, don't quote me on this. I didn't prep. I want to say it's December 21st of cool. this year. So December. It's a, it's a little ways out. So yeah, December. Yeah, yeah cool. Right before Christmas. That's really fun. What was that? What was that experience like for you? I know you've you've talked to me about it, or we've talked about it. Uh, just kind of being as a young kid, you just kind of were always around these. You know, this world. This uh, it's like its own little special niche market, if you will. Um, what was that like for you? Like growing up, just experiencing and, and being around some of the people that. You know your sister growing up in this. Your mom has obviously she she grew up doing this, and she's a is a coach. Is is that correct? Yeah. So uh, I think my mom has been kind of a, a mentor to a lot of people over the years, having been a former Miss Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that it's been really interesting to to see. It's it's almost like you know you grow up with it. It's hard to really yeah. You don't even think of, of it any differently than yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, they're just you know, even growing up, you're just like yeah. There's people in crowns and they do stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting to kind of see the the subtle changes over time as you know the the competition changes a little bit every so often around you know how much is how much is the scoring on the talent section worth versus yeah. the, you know, the interview question and all that stuff. So, you know, it's interesting to kind of be plugged into it and mm-hmm. see the changes over time. But, you know, it's always just, uh, it, 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 at times it almost just kind of feels like an extended family. You know, you kind of see them yeah. on, you see them on social media, you see people growing and changing these people that, you yeah. know, are very highly accomplished and yeah. really good at what they do and, and usually really pa- passionate about a specific cause, like sure. you mentioned with your friend um, as well. You know, it, it usually develops out of a, a passion for something. And I think that the the Miss America organization is really good at helping to support those passions and deepen those passions. And um, actually, that, that really ties in really closely with what my sister used as her platform and, and has developed is just kind of really showcasing how these pageant systems can really deepen and develop passions and that this is something that then sticks with these people for life. That This isn't something that these people do for the year that they wear the crown. It's something that they continue to advocate for and continue to try to, you know, if it, whether it's, you know, best buddies or whether it's, you know, children's miracle network yeah. or whatever the, whatever the cause may be, it's not something that they do just for a year. It's something that right. they continue to advocate for, uh, for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really cool. And, and I think that's like, you know, I think that's one of the more beautiful things about the, the pageantry world is the, 
it really is a it's almost a platform to promote and to help other causes and and to make change in the world and i know that's maybe a cliche thing you know like um you know if you think of like miscongeniality how they they kind of poke fun at some of the like you know peace are all over the world or whatever but um mm-hmm. i think it's it is important and it's showing that every step of the way it's it's supporting others and building that community and investing into your communities and these different causes and these different things to to literally create a better world uh, for us to live in yeah exactly and i and you know the the miss america organization is going to be turning 100 years old here uh, coming up so that's, that's crazy. uh you know it's it's kind of interesting to see how one of these kind of original kind of platforms uh has grown and developed over time right because you know yeah, it, it, you could see how it's you know, it, it could be almost considered like a like a GoFundMe or a, yeah, or a, sure, you know, one of those kind of ideas before its time, right? You yeah, know, it, it is a platform, just yeah. like anything else. It's definitely, if you were a if you were a you know a social cause out there getting your name in front of thinking marketing wise or business perspective, it's like that's definitely a way about uh, to go about that um, to put your name out there and to get get some recognition for sure. Um, AJ, one thing I, I've asked a few people throughout the, my time doing podcasts has been, what are three things that we should know about you? Um, I know we're at the, towards the end of our podcast here, but, um, I think it's a really interesting question and I would love to hear what you have to say about that or like three things that, um, that you would want other people to know about you. Uh, three things. Um, putting you on the spot. I know. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't prep for this. I know. Uh, three things. One, uh, I'm probably usually tired, but that's okay. You can still talk to me anyways and I'll try (laughs) and I'll I'll probably be friendly. Even if I don't look friendly, even if I just look like I rolled out of bed, uh, I'm always happy to talk. Even if I'm looking a little introverted and a little tired, you know, I'm, I'm always going to be a friendly face. Um, I would say that I am endlessly curious about just about anything um doesn't matter what you're talking to me about if 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 something really if you're jazzed about something i'm i'm down to listen to it um and i'm always going to want to learn and um you know i i will never say that i have the last word on anything so yeah. i'm always down to broaden my perspective yeah and something um, i love about you aj that's a that's a great quality <laughs> it really is thank you yeah um and I think uh, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll say this is the third thing. Uh, I think one thing that I'm trying to, to work on personally that's kind of related to that is that, you know, um, when I when I was still kind of starting my career, they had this thing called Strengths Quest, right? And I, I'm trying to remember what, my, what the exact word for it was, but one of the strengths was along the lines of, you know, uh, don't rock the boat kind of, you know. Uh, trying to like find what that common ground is between people mm. and people are having a disagreement, whether it's during a meeting or whether it's during, you know, a comedy rehearsal, or whatever, if there's a little bit of like disagreements, I'm like, ah, I don't like this. Let's just find yeah. the common ground and stick to it. So yeah. I think one thing that, you know, it's, it's a strength of like being able to find that common ground and find what we all agree on. But I think sometimes you need to be able to live in the disagreement because that's how you push forward is by kind of, you don't always have to say, oh, we'll just agree to disagree. Sometimes you need to like resolve differences and living in that can be a little uncomfortable. And, uh, maybe that's something that I need to be working on is like, Hey, how do you, you don't always have to agree with everything. Yeah. 
I think that we, I think that we all should work on that. I, I agree with both sides of that, of, you know, finding the common ground. But I have also said uh, for a while that I think that a lot of, I think that it's important to have the extremes because they push the conversation, but the, the real work happens in the middle. Um, and, and yeah. I think that, I, I hope, I think that speaks to what you were saying, you know, really. And, and I agree with you. And I, I think that that's important. You know, there's times it's knowing when it's discerning those moments of when to stand strong and stand up, um, against something. And also knowing when to go with the flow or just to have that conversation and have meet in the middle and find those commonalities. Um, but there's a time and a place for both of those. So awesome. AJ, thank you so much for being on the Crazy Face Uno podcast. Is there anything you'd want to tell the listeners um, before we close things out? No, I mean, I think if you're in the if you're in the Twin Cities area, obviously, uh, I do I do comedy a little bit around town. Yeah. Uh, Stevie Ray's is where I do comedy. Uh, so look them up on the internet where wherever you choose to, whether that's Facebook or the internet. In general, just a Google search to Stevie Ray's comedy would probably put you in the right direction. And, uh, you know, have a, have a fun night out and laugh sometime. Yeah. AJ, the senior accountant and comedian. I love <laughs> yes, it. Yes, exactly. I love yes. it. That's awesome. Put that on my tombstone. Yeah, I'm going to put that in the title. So. <laughs> Great. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, AJ. Again, I appreciate you coming on and, and taking your time. Uh, to, to be a part of the Crazy Face Uno podcast. And uh, just a reminder for all of you out there, we're doing good. We're making a difference. And um, find, find that peace for you and, and find your way to give back and to contribute to the world around you and to your community. Uh, appreciate you guys. Again, thanks, AJ. Yes, and thank you. Everybody, I love y'all. Uh, appreciate all of you out there. And, and thank you for listening. Check out crazyfaceuno.com. Check out our store. Um, and like like uh, our posts, like the uh, podcast, and subscribe. Appreciate you. Love you. Peace.